What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to this episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Share this out as well. Obviously, the offseason is slowly beginning, and this is the place you want to be for uh, New York Giants content, draft analysis, uh, free agent analysis, offseason moves. You're going to want to be right here for it. And we're trying to reach 1K subscribers um, on YouTube, so appreciate that. Uh, appreciate all the people who constantly supporting this channel appreciate of course hey is for buying the merch uh boys and big apple slash big blue in the bronx bingo is always available just text me if you want a uh, bingo board obviously it's catchphrase bingo get to win some free merch and uh five stars on apple podcast for big blue in the bronx we're trying to grow it a little bit more uh on the apple podcasts Podbean, spotify platforms so I know it's been a few days, obviously, since the New York Giants got obliterated by the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, a lot of people are more reserved now. I am too, but there's definitely a lot of things to go into this game in terms of coaching mistakes, in terms of players' mistakes. And the whole team, I'm going to be honest with you, just flat out sucked. Um, I'm going to put it out there right now because, as I said, I am more reserved, but I'm also going to rip into this team. I'm going to tell the truth about this team, kind of what I do on this channel and what I do on my podcasts. But, um, you know, despite the talent deficiencies in some areas for the New York Giants, they came out flat. The coaching was terrible. The execution was terrible. This whole team came out flat. And I thought this team was a little bit too relaxed during the week. I shut my mouth about it because I didn't want to uh, – ruin the positive vibes only thing but them being loose in practice kind of bothered me a little bit it's like yeah great we got a playoff win against the vikings but the eagles are a totally different animal and it's not like the giants really played a close game with the eagles during the regular season now the last game of the season that's a different story because we played our backups but the first time we got absolutely manhandled and this time we got absolutely manhandled and we could have gotten manhandled probably in that last week, but they said, you know what, uh, Jalen Hurts come back from injury. We just need to clinch a one seed. We could just run the ball, do all these different things, and they totally outmanned us, outperformed, outcoached every single thing you can ask for. And there's only two players, in my personal opinion, that really put in effort. And the Giants putting up seven points against the Eagles, 38. It's pathetic. It's disgraceful. And I will say this probably a few times, just so people get the point across this whole podcast episode. I will line out the silver lining at the end of the show. But I have yet to recap this game other than Boys in the Big Apple. And it has to be done because this is what I do. And I'm bringing you guys the content, so I have to bring it honestly. But let's go into the stats. Daniel Jones, 15 to 27, 135 yards and an interception, taking five sacks. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 16 to 24, 154 yards, two touchdowns, a sack taken. Uh, for the Giants rushing game, 20 rushes, 118 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Daniel Jones, six carries, 24 yards, nine carries, 61 yards for Saquon Barkley. Matt Breida, uh, four carries, 423 yards. Gary Brightwell had a 10-yard rush. Um, for the Philadelphia rushing game, Kenneth Gainwell, 12 rushes, 112 yards, a touchdown. Jalen Hurts had a rushing touchdown, and Boston Scott had a rushing touchdown. But Miles Sanders also factored in as well, 17 rushes, 90 yards. Total 44 rushes for the Philadelphia um, offense compared to 24 pass attempts. So 
that tells you all you need to know, basically. Um, as for the Giants receiving game, Richie James, seven receptions, 51 yards. He was the lead receiver. Saquon Barkley, two catches for 21 yards. Everyone else had one catch. Uh, for the receiving game, for the Eagles, it was pretty much top-heavy. Devonta Smith, six catches, 61 yards, a touchdown. Three catches, 22 yards for A.J. Brown. Dallas Goddard had a touchdown, five receptions, 58 yards. Uh, you look at fumbles, Jalen Hurts lost. Actually, no, he fumbled once, recovered once as well. McKinney forced it out on a blitz, on a sack. Daniel Jones also fumbled. Um, I think it was pressure coming from the left side or the right side. Mark Lewinsky is the one who picked it up. Then you take a look at the Giants' defense, and they did absolutely nothing statistically, and they also did nothing on the field. So it's not like it's a game where, okay, you could do this, that, and the other thing and watch the film, and you're going to get a different result. No, you're going to get the same result because this team was flat on defense every single angle you could take. Uh, one sack, five tackles for loss, no official quarterback hits. Like, I don't even consider McKinney's thing a quarterback hit, neither does ESPN. So uh, we got no pressure. We got absolutely no pressure. The game plan – fucking sucked on defense so i'm just being real and then james bradbury had an interception to go along with the eagles defense where they had five sacks josh sweat one and a half same thing with Hassan reddick our uh, son reddick also had a tackle for loss reed blankenship had a tackle for loss fletcher cox had a sack and a tackle for loss uh sorry there's a fly flying around uh brandon graham a sack and a tackle for loss and then quarterback hit-wise, Hassan Reddick, three. Fletcher Cox with one. Kayvon Wallace with one. Josh Sweat with two. Brandon Graham with one. And that was pretty much it. So it totaled about five sacks, four tackles for loss, and eight quarterback hits. Uh, you look at the team stats, totally divided, totally different. Polar opposites. Eagles, 26 first downs. Giants, 13. Eagles, eight first downs. Passing, same thing with the Giants. Five rushing first downs for New York. 17 for the Eagles, one first down from penalty, that being the Eagles. Um, third down efficiency, Giants were 5 for 13, the Eagles were 10 for 14. Uh, fourth down efficiency, Giants were 1 for 3, and Eagles never had to go for it on fourth. Total plays, 52 for the Giants, 69 for the Eagles, uh, 227 total yards for the Giants, 416 for the Eagles. Both teams had 10 drives, Giants had 4.4 yards per play, 6 for the Eagles. Red zone attempts, uh, Giants were one for one, Eagles were four for five. Penalties, Giants one penalty for five yards, uh, five penalties for the Eagles, 25 yards, one turnover for the Giants, which was the interception thrown by Daniel Jones and James Bradbury, and then Eagles very lopsided with the time possession, 35-43 to 24-17. So I'm, I say this a lot usually. Um, this may be a shorter episode, this may be a longer episode, but, I mean, the season is over, there's a lot of negative to go over in this game, so it might be longer, it might be shorter, but hope you guys are staying tuned and all that good stuff. So let's go to the offense. I thought the game plan right out of the gate sucked. It blew donkey. It did. This was a game, and you guys know me. I'm a pass-first guy, do this, do that, whatever. I'm a pass-first guy in modern NFL. The Giants do not have the personnel to go out there and match against the Eagles wide receiver to corner-wise. They don't. And even on defense, they don't even match that. Uh, where you look at the Giants' corners and the Eagles' wide receivers, they don't have the personnel. I'm not using that as an excuse, but that should help formulate and guide game plans. Mike Kafka, obviously, um, you know, he 
he was focused on his interview. And I'm going to be completely honest, as we like to say on here. Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka both scheduling interviews with the Colts on the Sunday after the game. Piss poor. Piss poor. They should be ashamed of themselves. I get it. You want to get promoted. You want a chance at a head coaching job, even just to interview. But as a prom- as you know, it being a promotion, if I'm getting promoted to a job or you know, whatever the case may be, let's just say, uh, for instance, I don't know, at NYY News TV, I mean, obviously we're not so much on the air because Twin Bill has been, uh, you know, discontinued. A lot of things go into that. Like, for instance, we want to give Pete a break and all these different things. But let's just say I'm promoted to, like, co-owner or I get a chance. I, I mean, Pete interviews me to be co-owner of NYY News TV. This is an example. Don't take it literally. I am going to look forward to that day, no matter the job I'm doing for the channel. And I think that's what Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale did. And they totally screwed up on the game plans. I get it. Personnel is one thing. But game plan was totally, totally botched by these coaches. And Brian Dable didn't help himself in any scenario. Um, You could have lowered the amount of time of possession. And I get it sometimes. Sometimes it has to be efficiency. Sometimes it has to be, you know, run to set up the pass, pass to set up the run. All these different things have to factor in execution from the offensive line. But we tried doing what we did in the first half, and the Eagles read it like a book. The Eagles read it like a book. And I, I just don't get it. Like, they tried doing what they did against the Vikings a little bit in the first part of the game, even though they ran on the first play. And it just totally backfired because they have a very talented defensive backfield, and we were just outskilled. Um, to add on to that, Daniel Jones wasn't very good. There was that one play where it was second and one. He makes it a third and six because he runs out of bounds instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to toss this one away. Uh, that didn't happen. He ran out of bounds, third and six, Giants don't convert. And that is a rookie mistake. That is a decision you cannot make in that situation in the playoffs. Like, regular season game, preseason game, okay. Regular season game, not really. Never in a postseason game should you do that. Um, He threw the interception, which was looking like a stick concept. A lot of people said, oh, Darius Slayton, you know, he ran the wrong route. I'm thinking it was just a stick concept, and James Bradbury read it like a fucking book. And Daniel Jones overall just did not play well. What I will say is this, though. I don't think anyone's mind should be changed on Daniel Jones because of this game. Um, If anything, it brings people down to earth with the way Daniel Jones is talent-wise, skill set-wise, and quarterback-wise. You know, we kind of said it on Boys and Big Apple. He will be better with better weapons, but at the same time, there is still a ceiling and a plateau with his skill set and his talent. Um, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 QB with touchdowns and proficient stats but maybe top 15 top 20 and obviously the Giants have a decision to make this offseason uh, Joe Shane said in the press conference he wants Daniel back but also generally there is a walk out of the room price whether that's Saquon Jones whoever so and Daniel Jones answer I think it was on Sunday maybe Sunday may have been Saturday it was not very convincing uh, it sounded like his agent got in his ear a little bit so I think the name of the game, and we'll go into this later, uh, for the offseason is just don't get attached. 
do not get attached to some of these players because they may not be here next year. Jihad Ward, he could be signed by some other rat team next year, right? Um, you know, uh, Isaiah Hodgins, right? Maybe the Giants don't bring him back or something. Who knows? So um, there's a lot of players you just can't have an emotional attachment to and just have to root for the team to do the right things, and hopefully they pan out. So Daniel Jones just was inefficient. Um and once again, I don't know that it sh should change anyone's mind. Saquon Barkley and Matt Breed are the best on offense. And this isn't really, well, yeah, I guess it is an offensive remark, but Brian Dable and his fourth down decision-making was absolutely panic mode. It was like some nuclear thing was going on and he had to panic and get everybody in a nuclear fucking bomb shelter or whatever. Uh, going for fourth and eight, on the second second or first drive of the game, you're putting your offense in a pigeonhole automatically. It's, you know, obviously with these type of games, yeah, margin of error could be very small, but it's not like you match up with them talent-wise where you could say, okay, this is the Vikings game, whatever. No, the Eagles are a complete team. And I was 100% wrong for picking against the Eagles because I didn't think we'd be outmatched like this. But... Go for, you know, fourth and eight. Don't make it. They end up scoring a fucking touchdown. And then, you know, the other side, you're for, you're also pigeonholing your defense because they have 50 yards to give up, not 70, not fucking 80, not 90. It's not like they're pinned deep. Um, But then later in the game, I mean, I get it. The game is over. It's like 28-7, 35-7, or whatever the hell the score was. You're going to sit there and, uh, I don't know, not go for fourth down and punt. That's a Robert Salad decision. That's a Todd Bowles decision. That's a Joe Judge decision. It just, it just doesn't make sense. Like, if you were going to sit there and not go for it earlier in the game and still get blown out, I get it. But at the same time, you know, what have you got to lose in that second half of the game? So, uh, Brian Dable definitely fucked up in that aspect. Richie James with a key drop. Um, it was really key. It was like, I don't know, three-score game at the point he dropped the ball. But just shows that he may not be a guy that we depend on next year it's the truth receivers were nowhere to be found yeah i mean everybody was taken away because they're not up to the level of the eagles bellinger really wasn't existent cager had a catcher too um you know isaiah hodgins wasn't necessarily there so a lot of guys disappeared a lot of guys disappeared and when they do the final checkoffs and the final meetings in the Giants facility you bet that's going to be a part of their evaluation for these wide receivers so the O-line played horrible I mean that's just you know, that's the way they played and they really have played darn horrible against these Eagles really the entire year they've been seeing them I mean you know Andrew Thomas obviously I don't know how he individually played I would guess good but I can't guess that at the same time because against Josh Sweat he had a couple of bad reps uh, in the first game, uh, Bredesen, Gates, we just need to revitalize the interior. I think Gates and Bredesen you keep around. Lewinsky is going to be a starter for at least another half a year. Uh, Feliciano's got to go, maybe revitalize some of the depth. But, you know, that's obviously in the outlook, you know, in some of these videos we'll be doing down the stretch. But uh, I've been kind of keeping quiet about Eben Neal for a while and his technique and all these different things. And I'm not giving up on him as a rookie. I'm not doing that. You know, that's that sour puss attitude. People say, oh, Eric Flowers is saying the other thing. You need to have patience with these sort of things. But if you're going to sit here and be a mute, 
that's also not a good thing. You want to be in the middle, in my personal opinion, because as I said, I, you know, these last few weeks, you know, he's been har- he's he's I almost said horrible as in horrible and terrible, but it just shows you me mumbling my words and me speaking in the second is like Evan Neal playing right tackle. He was horrible against the Eagles. It's the same issues. It is the same issues, and it literally kills him every single time. And this is on the Giants coaching staff. This is on Evan Neal himself. And I'm not saying you're going to get fixed like you know right away. Balance is going to be an issue for him for the next few years. It's just going to happen like that. Um, unless he loses weight, does some wrestling or something. Um, you know, he's a hard worker. He's a nice kid. But literally the same friggin' issues where he's not taking the three steps in the vertical in the aggressive pass set he's lunging he's falling on his ass in the running game that's shit that needs to be fixed and it gets exposed as you play better teams i mean obviously it's a lesson for the new york giants okay we need to work on this we need to work on that whatever going into next year but you'd like to advance once you're in the dance you'd like to advance um come up with a little rhyme on the spot there but you would like to advance once you're in the dance and the Giants probably didn't want to go home but these little things that are adding up uh like Evan Neal like uh the linebacker play which we'll get to some things you can't repair until the offseason but Evan Neal at least some things could have been done like he had vertical pass sets I believe against the Jaguars or it may have actually been the Ravens game. One of those games, he had vertical pass sets. They put him in that situation more. And then, you know, he flourished a little bit more. Was he perfect? No, but he was better than what he is now. He's progressively gotten worse. He stayed at the same level. And people kind of questioned me for questioning Bobby Johnson at the bye week. Because he's like, yeah, you know, uh, when he was asked about the vertical pass sets and the aggressive pass sets, he's like, yeah, you know, we'll try to stick to the scheme and, you know, see what's what whatever and you know if i'm not quoting correctly you can go to the giants youtube channel and see one of his pressers outside but i i mean that doesn't really say a lot in a positive way because you want your players to flourish um and i get it you want to have the o-line in lockstep with their pass sets but at the same time if a certain player is having some sort of an issue with technique you should be able to fix that on the spot so other players aren't the victim of that. Daniel Jones, Mark Lewinsky, whatever. So am I giving up on Evan Neal? No, I don't think anybody should. But at the same time, we have to watch because this can't be an Eric Flowers situation where you wait three years after that, you move him to another position. No, that can't happen. And I think that Joe Shane will be proactive if it gets to that. I don't think it will. I think Evan Neal will be a solid tackle in this league, especially for the Giants on that right side. But, but we'll see what happens. But we'll see what happens with uh, with Sir Evan Neal as we go along. The defense, not a fan of the defense and the way they play fan of you know the way the giants played but let's talk about it uh soft zone game plan early no adjustments late i mean it was pretty much hey lead us down the field it was a weird game plan because like they had the one i don't know if it was zone i don't know if it was man but they went down the field julian love gets beat by devonta smith julian love had a bad game we'll talk about that um but 
soft game plan early. Nobody's sticking to their man. Uh, Dallas Goddard walks in for a touchdown against Xavier McKinney. It was a mess. It was a mess to start. And, like, I could get it if you're going kind of that route and you're running the football. But those two game plans did not coincide with each other, to be real. They didn't coincide with each other at all. At all. So that's why I'm pissed at the defense. No adjustments at all. I mean, yeah, they had that talk and gave up 10 points after that. I get it. But, I mean, I don't know. Just wasn't a good day, and I still stick to that head coaching thing. I feel like Wink was, I don't know, looking forward to uh, his next possible head coaching gig. And I like Wink. I like all these coaches. I like Kafka. I don't dislike them. I'm a Wink stan. But at the same time, this was a terrible game plan. Big plays, early swifted momentum, the Eagles directional, these run plays, uh, the Devonta Smith play, the Dallas Goddard pass play, just a mess. And the linebackers suck. And I know that micromanaging is a part of the game. Sometimes it's not a part of the game. Sometimes we could say these little things that don't matter because, hey, we're content creators, we're fans. But I don't understand not having Micah McFadden in the game. I don't understand him being inactive, Dane Belton not getting a defensive snap, or Landon Collins when you have Jalen Smith and Gerard Davis. I mean, we're playing favorites here. We were playing favorites, I should say. Jalen Smith, he's sucked for weeks. He really has. You know, he was good in the start. He was good last year. The Giants brought him back because of the whole Blake Martinez, Austin Calitro spiel at linebacker. And listen, we needed a linebacker. And we thought to ourselves, okay, Jalen Smith's better than anyone we have right now. But then he sucked. There was one play right in the hole where there was Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, or Miles Sanders. He was there in the hole to make a tackle, but he freaking tripped. He tripped. And that's a big run for one of the running backs. I don't know who. I don't remember who. But I know all those running, back trample, running backs trampled us. Gerard Davis, he could go. I'm, I'm really sick of these flyers and us trying to, like, build up these guys. Okay, Gerard Davis should play alongside Jalen Smith. Uh, Gerard Davis is, no. Like, if you're going to say, and I get it, you know, obviously you're gearing for the playoffs. You want us to do these certain things, whatever. Gerard Davis and Jalen Smith are free agents, by the way. But at least try to make this a time. If you're not going to, if you know you're not going to fix something to the offseason, at least try to see what you have in-house rather than sign somebody out of house. Micah McFadden, yeah, he's not the most superb run stopper. He can cover a little bit. He can do certain things. He should have played. Uh, Landon Collins against the run, he didn't get any snaps. Just a preview for the snap count. And, you know, no Dane Belton. Another thing, like, he, he's a rookie so he can't play. I just didn't understand that. I felt that was micromanaging and playing favorites. Um, interior could not get the push. The pass rush couldn't get home. It is so bad that the Giants need to fix the interior defensive line. And I'm not talking Dex. I'm not talking Leo. Leo's a conversation for videos down the line. What I will say is this. We need to fix the depth behind them because Nick Williams, he's coming off of a bicep tear. He ain't going to play for us next year. He's probably not coming back. Um, Henry Mondo, he was nice in the beginning. Not necessarily a piece that you know we should keep he was inactive so they don't like him anymore uh justin ellis i mean he was one of the biggest culprits got totally bulldozed by landon dickerson and chasing kelsey for two straight plays 
And that's so bad for our defensive line depth for two reasons. Really, you can combine it into one is Dexter Lawrence can't get any rest because he is that much missed on the field. And then what if he gets hurt? What if Leo gets hurt? You got no depth. So there's that. And I, I've been saying Justin Ellis is bad for weeks, but it's kind of that same in-house thing. Like we had Vernon Butler. He's now signed to a futures contract. Um, but the Giants need to draft or at least get some type of defensive line depth. Ryder Anderson's decent. He's not gonna. He's no game changer. But I do think, before we move to the secondary a little bit more, I think the pass rush is overrated. I'm gonna say it right now. Kayvon Thibodeau. I've you know said everything about the holding and everything, but complaining mid-play and throwing your hands up, you're not gonna get respect in this league like that. And I'm not even talking about all respect from other teams. But the NFL officials are not going to call that. If you bolster your game, if you beef up a little bit, do whatever needs to be done, and you come out looking like a, a, a possible star next year, and then they start holding you, that's when you get the calls. But crying, like they don't have to respect that you're Kayvon Thibodeau. There's other rookie rushers that they don't respect, but it's just coming to light because you play for the Giants, you're a big name. And listen, it's wrong, I get it, but life isn't fair. And you can't give up mid-play because they didn't call a call. Um, you know, Daniel Jones, for instance, right? He slid against the commanders and they face masked him. What happened? Uh, he didn't say anything. He just went back to the sideline. Now, sometimes there is a right to complain about issues, but this has happened all season with the holding. And then he, you know, quits on two plays. I, I can't say quits, but like he complains on two plays and it's, it just lowers the morale. You should use that as, okay, it's an advantage, we're gonna go out. I'm gonna go out there. Use that against the person who's playing opposite of me. But he didn't use that, and obviously. And to be fair, the Giants don't have any depth at the linebacker position outside wise. I mean, Jihad Ward, he's nice. I mean, he could come back maybe as a run stopper. But at the end of the day, um, you know, he's a slower guy. I don't know. He's not a pass rusher. He's not a pass rusher. All career highs. He's not gonna probably get there again. To be fair. Um, Zizo Jolari, he's hurt a lot of the time. O'Shane Zimenez, he can't get to the passer. The Giants don't like Quincy Roche, so they need to find some depth, either in free agency or more likely the draft, so they could develop their own guys. Ellerson Smith has been missing for weeks. He's on IR. He's done for the season. And he was supposed to be this, you know, big hype guy coming out of training camp. Oh, he's beating this guy. He's beating that guy. Shit. Shit. Got nothing out of him. So... The Giants need to go draft an edge rusher, developmental edge rusher, some someone that could put the pressure on. And I get it. Listen, Wink didn't blitz a lot, but when everybody's standing patty cake, patty cake, it's not going to get it done. Um, I think Adore Jackson maybe was the best player in the secondary. That's not even going out on a limb and saying he was perfect this game. Um, to be completely fair, Julian Love had a horrible game. It's not a good stepping stone. It's not a good show for Julian Love. I'm going to be completely fair. Not a good show for Julian Love, knowing you're a free agent. And, you know, he really hasn't been playing all-star ball. I think a lot of people have overrated him, to be fair. But this game, I mean, he was missing tackles left and right, especially in a game where you know your linebacker play's not good. But getting beat deep, you know, missing tackles, like, you could be bad in coverage, but at least make the tackles. Like, that's a simple, fun, simple fundamental. He did not do that. And the Giants could say, hey, listen, we got Dane Belton. Bye. But, you know, we'll see what happens with him. 
I, I'm at a point where I love Julian Love. You know, he's a solid player. He's a good locker room guy. He's a good leader. But at the same time, I mean, he's replaceable. Not that you want to open up another hole in a different position. But if he asks for more money, you, you know, than you think he's worth, you could walk away from that, say, okay, go to the Jets, go to the Texans, go to this team, go to that team. Bye. So, and Xavier McKinney didn't play well either. I mean, obviously he had the sack, the fumble, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, he also gave up a touchdown to Dallas Goddard. So the defense played awful. The offense played awful. Uh, everybody in the coaches are stock down. Stock up is Matt Breida and Saquon Barkley. Uh, as far as the snap counts go, let me pull up Dan Duggan on Twitter because he always has those snap counts. Defensively, we'll start there. Uh, 100% for McKinney and Love, 96% for Leonard Williams, 94% for Kayvon Thibodeau, 91% for Adoree Jackson, Jalen Smith, 90%. Same thing with Gerard Davis, which is a bad thing. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, 89%. Fabian Moreau, 87%. Jihad Warda, 74%. Darnay Holmes, 46%. 43% for Nick McLeod. Ryder Anderson, 37%. Aziz Ojolari was clearly on a pitch count, 20%. Justin Ellis, 11%. Tony Jefferson, 10%. Same thing for Jason Pinnock. O'Shane Zimenez, 7%. Tamon Fox, 4%. Um, Dane Velton, Cordell Flott, which is a shame. And Landon Collins did not get defensive snaps, which, is, you know, it's it's kind of sad. It's disappointing. I mean, Flott, he got injured later in the game. So, you know, you can kind of understand, okay, obviously he didn't play through later in the game, but played on special teams. I mean, Moreau is injured and he struggles against shifty receivers. I get it. Flot needs to add some weight, but think of it as an opportunity to throw out your corner. And he played some, you know, he played he's played some ball over the last few weeks, especially against the Vikings. So there's your snap count for the defense. Let's go to the offense. Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, John Feliciano, Daniel Jones, Mark Lewinsky, 100%, 96% for Darius Slayton, 87% for Isaiah Hodgins, 83% for Daniel Bellinger. 75% for Rich James, 65% for Saquon Barkley, 56% for Ben Bredesen, 44% for Nick Gates, 40% for Matt Breida, 29% for Lawrence Cager, 13% for Marcus Johnson, 6% Gary Brightwell, 4% Kenny Galladay, and 2% Nick Van Et. So, we finally get to the end of the episode, and here's my outlook. Despite all the negativity that I've been spraying in all the recaps uh recap notes for this episode i do want to say one thing though this giants team got obliterated in the playoffs i do have to admit it was fun watching this team and it was fun watching a team this year where they're competitive and they have a winning record and i will say something is being built here something is being built and as a giants fan it's great to see after all these years like in 2011, I was in third grade. I wasn't really a football fan. Like, yeah, I watched the Super Bowl, but I started getting into the Giants around 2016, 2017. I've been a content creator since 2020. And, you know, we always harped on those moral victories. But this year, we got real victories. We got more victories than losses. Um, we were 9-7-1. We got a playoff win for the first time since the Super Bowl year. So, um, this team overachieved. I know Joe Shane says we didn't, but we overachieved. And... I guess if you want to take a silver lining to this game, though it was horrible execution, horrible coaching, at the end of the day, man, they exposed our weaknesses, and now we know what we got to go into the offseason and do. Get a 
couple of guards, get some linebackers, uh, a safety maybe, a corner, a uh, wide receiver, be- beef up some of those positions. So, um, and obviously this game could also shine a light towards different guys of re-signing, not re-signing, Julian Love, Isaiah Hodgins, whatever the front office needs to do, whatever the decisions they want to make, we can't control it. But I think I'm confident at this point, and I'm numb to a lot of different things the Giants have done over the last few years. Um, I'm confident enough to where we could build off of this through the draft. We could build sustained success. And listen, the Giants may not make the playoffs next year. It might just happen where some teams are better than us or we fail for some other reason, whatever. And I don't want to go that route, trust me. But Brian Dable and Joe Shannon said it, you know, 9-7 and seven the first year in Buffalo, second year 6-10. and 10. Obviously, that was with Josh Allen, rookie quarterback, all these different things. But uh, I have a feeling that this is not going to be like the other regimes. Sustained success, not spending a ton in free agency, re-signing your guys, drafting guys that fit the culture, that fit the schemes, that are solid, smart, dependable, smart, tough, defendable, smart, tough, dependable football players. So there are my thoughts on that. Hope you guys enjoyed the season as well. Draft coverage, prospect coverage, uh, free agent coverage, off-season coverage. It's going to be here, man. Um, it might not be so much in podcast form, so look for YouTube. YouTube's going to be a lot of videos over the course of the next few weeks. Um, Boys and Big Apple Podcast, we got you covered. Really on the channel, we got you covered. I mean, we got 22 subs away from 900. Uh, almost daily content. You know, you got Dead Red, Friday Night Knicks, Boys and Big Apple, Big Blue in the Bronx. Uh, I don't think I'm missing any. So that's it. Like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Give us a five-star rating. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool. And I guess for one last time, even though I might say it again, let's go Big Blue.